Hello, this is your king, George III. By order of the king, all children are prohibited from listening to this podcast. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of the employers of these podcasters, nor me, King George III. Now, enjoy my podcast. Welcome to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two fellas watch two films and talk about it and all that good stuff. Again, I'm working on it, but you know, I have time, so. (laughs) That's all they need to know. That's all they need to know, really. Um, I am Dude One, Richard. Dude Two, Joe. How are you today, good sir? How how have you been? Um, you know, I can't, I, I can't complain. You know, getting back on the groove of returning to work in all in all of this, you know, hasn't been so bad. But, uh, you know, you still got to think about the future. Uh, but on a lighter note, I did receive my Criterion orders I placed earlier in the year. I got my Bruce Lee, His Greatest Hits box set. Yeah, His Greatest Hits <laughs> box set. It's called Greatest Hits box set. <laughs> box set box and the set. grand budapest hotel oh grand yeah uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> that's a story for another time to answer my own question i've been doing all right this week was it was interesting it didn't start off great because at the beginning of the week my mi madre my mother was not feeling too good and so she went to the doctor she got a test and so for the next few days after that, we were kind of worried, but it came back negative. So that was really good. Um, that was a nice change in pace. And then you ruined my entire week. <laughs> you, sir, ruined it <laughs> by suggesting something so awful, but we did it anyway. I mean, it takes two to tango. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I, I put this all on you. It's all... <laughs> I put it all on Well, listen... <laughs> Listen, you didn't have to. You could have just said, no, Joey, you crazy. You're crazy, I man. I did. You don't, we're not going to do this. <laughs> but I fell for it anyway. That's on you, You're man. just so charming. That's, that's on you. You're just a very charming man. I get lost in your eyes all the time. Out of the two of us? Out of the two of us? No. <laughs> that is not true. Nah, nah, nah. You're, you're definitely... I'm looking at you right now, and I'm already like... anyway to ruin that mood point is we're about to talk about cats that's not our main double feature it's like a secret it's like a secret third like triple feature like thing it's a surprise it's a good surprise for you because you get to hear us talk about more movies but not so good for us because we wasted two hours of our lives (laughs) watching cats oh oh my now the thing is okay at the top just know joey and i are musical fans him probably more than me but I, I would definitely say both of us like musicals. And as far as Cats is concerned, my, for me, I've only ever seen commercials or little bits here and there. It always looked like it was interesting, but I never really knew what it was. You knew more about this than me when we went into this. Yeah, but what was funny with, with Cats, so when I was a child, uh, there used to be these almost like a small chain of restaurants locally called the Broadway Grill. Okay. And they had a lot of Broadway posters. So, of course, I saw, like, the Phantom Mask there. 
little Cosette from Les Mis, and then, of course, the cat's poster, which you'll never forget because it's literally just giant cat eyes with the cat people dancing. It's, it's one of those simple posters like, like we were talking about in uh, the Batman-Superman episode. Very simple, and it's not one of those posters where there's no really reviews on it. It's just cats. Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats. And I remember seeing the commercials all the time, especially on VHS, because I think... I think it was on like a Barney VHS where they had the commercial for the shot, the pro shot version that they did in the 90s. You know, that was like the previous version that you could watch at home. And for, I mean, the thing with Cats is like you look at things that are, that are and were popular and you say, okay, I can kind of see why that's popular. Then you look at Cats. It's kind of confound. It's just, you look at it and you're just puzzled. It boggles the mind. That this is a thing. And what was funny is I never knew the story of Cats, like the plot, quote, until quote, unquote, like a couple months ago. Story. <laughs> quote, unquote. <laughs> well, a couple months ago when I was watching videos about Cats and there were people talking about the plot. And talking about how there's this tribe of cats called the Jellicles. And they pick a cat that gets to die and with a new life or some nonsense like that. <laughs> and most of the story... We were watching the movie... <laughs> I'm just like what? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the story, and this it was they claimed it as like a family musical, even though the stage, especially the stage version, has some very um, it's very sexual. It's very sexual. <laughs> sexual, yeah. <laughs> Oof, man, and the the movie is is oddly that way too, and, and that's the worst part about it is is that you know the design of the cats. You said this perfectly to me when we were watching the movie. You never get used to the design that they have. You, the cats you can't. It's 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 like everyone says is that uncan uncanny valley effect. You know, it's just you don't. Your brain can't comprehend what you're looking at, and it always looks just weird. And the thing and the thing was, we, when we went into this, we kind of thought this would be one of those like so bad yet so entertaining kind of things. Because we've heard a lot of people like kind of reacting to it that way. It's like just the the confounding nature of why is this real? Why is this a thing? And when we watched it, I like I think both of us looked at each other and went, "This is just not a good time." Like <laughs> like it, there's nothing like it's hard to find anything to like about that movie. Yeah, it's not. It really is just a bad movie. It's hard to follow. It's disturbing. It's so disturbing. So, I cannot tell you to this very moment what this movie's about until you said something just now. I'm like, what? And there and you're and you're just like, well, what what's this? Do they ever mention what happened with Grizabel? I'm like, "Oh, yeah, no, they mentioned that before, but you know, you were probably asleep, and I can't blame you." <laughs> I did doze off a little bit to to avoid the pain. <laughs> I couldn't do it. This is the moment I knew I hated this movie. This is my letterbox review is when James Corden shows up and he's and it's this it's that whole thing where he's like trying to be shot into like a, a tuna fish thing or whatever and he's in the middle of berating one of the other cats for not recognizing he's a fat cat and in the middle of a sentence he looks at the camera dead into the lens and says cats and then looks away i w i audibly said f you to that movie <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh g uh, good good gravy it's uh, you, you you know it has to be seen to be believed but we but we at uh two dudes one double feature do not recommend seeing Please. this not even as like a, a a hate watch <laughs> just don't okay you, you, 
<laughs> I wish I had the seven bucks back. I could have used that on something. We could have used that on something just more productive with our time, but we didn't. But, curio- as they say, curiosity kills the cat. Sadly, not the cat we wanted to die as we were watching the movie. <sighs> but on, on that note, we did make some other good choices this last couple of days, particularly particularly in the department of our our double feature showcase for today. What's our first film or films that we're talking about? Well, I think first off we should preface this a little bit because it's it's no secret 2020 is awful. It's it's been awful since it started. It continues to be even more awful whether it's pandemic or uh the weird understanding that people seem to have an issue with racism being gone or wearing a mask. It's just a, a list and the the, peop- the amount of people that have died it's it's horrible. You need kind of some kind of pick me up. You need to go to something that makes you feel good. And for this episode, I thought, what better way to let Joey and I feel good than to talk about two things that during the during this quarantine we've fallen in love with. And the first one that we're going to talk about is, of course, Paddington. I've been waiting for this. We changed our schedule to accommodate for this double feature, and we're very excited to go through these movies. As far as Paddington, I had heard about Paddington briefly, but it was never a mainstay in my life as a child. If I'm not mistaken, it's bigger across the pond. Oh yeah, as they say, it's 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 a lot bigger over there. It's definitely more of like a British kind of iconic character. But like you, I've also never had much of a connection to Paddington outside of maybe seeing some of the books like the Michael Bond's children's books or occasionally like going past or into one of those like antique toy stores that have like slinkies and whatnot and like you know like sock monkeys and every now and then you'll see uh, a little adorable teddy bear in a uh, in like a blue coat red hat and that that was Paddington and that was my only ever real connection to him so I, like you, like I said, I don't have much of a history with him, per se. You know, when I saw the commercials for Paddington, I thought it was just going to be another one of those, like, CGI animal with the live-action human kind of movies. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, this is getting really good reviews. And then the second one comes out, and it is apparently even better. And I'm like, what's the big fuss with Paddington? And then, you watch them. Oh my god. there was There was not much of a motivation outside of seeing some YouTube videos and knowing that it gotten really good reviews. It was more just, I was in that mindset of just wanting to watch something new because I'd watched a bunch of movies I already seen and I needed some kind of new pick-me-up and I was constantly told that if you want a genuine feel-good experience that Paddington is probably the best option to find. And I remember watching the first movie right, and literally just being like, oh my god. Like, I was laughing, I was crying, I was thoroughly entertained the entire time, so much so that I immediately went right into the sequel, and it was so much better in so many ways. These movies touched my heart. Oh, these movies moved my soul, and I needed it so much, and I still watch them to this day, and they still make me feel good. Yeah, for like the last couple of weeks, you had been the biggest Paddington fanboy, and I mean that in the nicest way humanly possible. 
you were constantly singing these movies praises sending me clips that were delightful and funny so a couple days ago i saw i sat down with you watched the first paddington film and yes we did it the- wow like <laughs> it is yeah I, I, right it reminded it's so me, good it reminded me of like the best of pixar where it's it is a family movie. You could this is a movie yes. that you could feel comfortable showing audiences of all ages, but at the mm-hmm. same time you can enjoy it and you're not you're not being talked down to. It's not oh it's not pandering. It doesn't subject itself to like pop culture trends of today, you know. No, there, there's, there's some there's references not like a, here and there yeah. that we can talk about later. There's not like a scene where Paddington's singing like Lady Gaga or something. Yeah, if you want that, go watch like Alvin and the Chipmunks or something. You know, but it it, it was an incredibly rewarding and uh, enriching experience. Like this is a movie. Like it could have it could have ended up being like a Peter Rabbit situation, mm-hmm. where Peter Rabbit. You know, I I've watched the first one, and it. <laughs> I've seen worse movies than Peter Rabbit, but it definitely falls into that line of movies where you have the CGI animal, you have hijinks, right. and it's more it's more goofy than than it is like fun for the whole family, I guess. And it's it's kind of kind of mm-hmm. dumb, but Paddington is is definitely definitely not that. I think a big aspect of that is that there's so many great little details in these movies. That they, they you really the it in. really needs to be seen multiple times. They really oh, do. Oh yeah, there's just so many little things. One of my favorite aspects of the Paddington movies is the idea that it sets up all this stuff in the movie, even things you don't even expect to be some kind of setup, and everything gets paid off in the end. So, like example in the second Paddington film, the Sally Hawkins character, whom is listen, we don't deserve Sally Hawkins. We don't. She's too good for 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 us. She's amazing. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> and um, like in the second one, it, they set up this idea that she wants to uh, swim swim to another country. You know, like uh, like you know, be a professional swimmer or something, have an adventure of her own. And um, that's the setup for her character. And then later on, at the uh, in the movie. She has to go save Paddington, so she dives into the water and uses her talents to go save him. And then, of course, I thought of the shape of water, but that's a whole other thing. But it's just, it's little, and it's it's big things and little things that just pay off throughout the whole movie. And it's not even just, like, beginning to end. It's beginning, middle, end, middle, end, beginning, middle. Like, it's, it's everywhere. And it just shows that the people that made these movies care about what they're doing and care about the story and care about the character of Paddington and wanting to tell a genuine, wholesome, non-pandering story. And I attribute a lot of that, not just to the actors or the writers, but to the director, Paul King as well, who hasn't really done a whole lot. He's mostly famous for like the mighty boosh or, um, uh, it was a show called dark place. He did with Richard Iowati. But other than that, he's only really ever directed like television show episodes. Like he did two episodes of space force, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I, I was like, oh. Oh, well. All right. <laughs> He's much better on his own. Um, but no, it's just, it just, again, 
he just it just shows that Paul King, along with all these amazing people, just really wanted to to bring Paddington to life in a in an amazing way, and they did it. They, they really they really did, and man, it's we were talking about you were talking about briefly the actors like the casting in these movies is so pitch perfect. It's so good. Like it's it's got all these amazing British actors, small big roles. In the first one, you have, of course, Sally Hawkins. You have Hugh Bonneville as Mr. Brown. You have Julie Walters, who is uh, Mrs. Weasley from the Harry Potter films. You have the great Peter Capaldi as Mr. Curry. Nicole Kidman just having a freaking great time as the villain in the first one. Um, In the second one, you have uh, Hugh Grant as probably one of the best on-screen villains. (laughs) Jim Broadbent. Uh, and then, of course, Ben Wishaw, the the voice of Paddington, who is so charming, so lovable, so polite, so warm and welcoming, just from his voice, it's incredible. The, the list the list is immense about of the amazing British talent that they got for these movies. Yeah, I was gonna Ben Wishaw as Paddington is definitely a huge, huge component in making us um, talking at our heartstrings, laughing at all the situations. One of my favorite things with Paddington is it, it, he there, there's instances where he means well. Oh, he means so well. He He's the ultimate polite. But the problem but. is it doesn't always work out. Like One of the best examples is in the second movie when he's in prison. Yes, this adorable bear goes to prison and yes. he... He's complete. He's critiquing. He's critiquing the prison food to like the the the, the deadliest criminal, the scariest <laughs> criminal that's there, and he, he bonks him with a piece of bread just to prove that the bread's not suitable. He's like, <laughs> need I say more? And he's not even trying to be mean. He's just he's just, <laughs> he's just letting him know <laughs> without like, noting he is an absolute savage. <laughs> It's so good. And it's just like, and, and on top of all that, he takes everything literal. Even if he doesn't really 100% understand, like, sarcasm or, like, you know, you know what I mean? So, like, one of my favorite mm-hmm. bits in the first movie is he's at the train station and he's trying to go down an escalator. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God, how do I do this? And he looks at the sign and the sign says, must carry dog. And so he goes, oh, and so next you hear James Brown, I feel good, and he's walking confidently, and here comes Paddington with this random chihuahua he got, just casually going down the escalator like, I, I'm doing this right. And then he sees another sign that says, stand on right, and so he lifts up his left foot and goes on his right foot, and it's, oh, it's beautiful. It's so good. Oh, my God. And, oh. I mean, obviously, you know, Paddington's a huge part of that, but the human cast is is also phenomenal. You mentioned Hugh Grant, Sa- Sally Hawkins. Um, who's the dad? Uh, Hugh Hugh Bonneville is the actor. Hugh Bonneville. You know he he was on Downton Abbey, yes, right? Yes, he was. He, he, he was, was on. He was, he on, was on, on Downton Abbey. He was on Downton Abbey. He is he is so good. He he has he has the hurrah moments. Like you're just like yeah. Yeah, the best parts though are are when they show him when he's younger and <laughs> yes. more like hippie or like rebellious, and he's doing all these great crazy things. The best transition is when he's coming in and he takes he takes Sally Hawkins to the hospital in a motorcycle, and they come out with like a, like a family car, <laughs> he's and he's like, like all conservative looking and like proper. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. She's too young for pollen. Excuse me. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, and, and even just the side characters. Like, that that's, that's one of the other big parts of, like, any sort of comedic world. Like, one of my favorite things in, like, some of the films with Charlie Chaplin is that some of the supporting characters are so funny. Oh, yeah. And they, and they are so expressive. Uh, one of my favorite characters is the security guard guy yes! who appears in both movies. Yes! <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hold it there, sister. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's just the little, thing, little things. Oh, my God. And again, it's just the work and the care that they put into the movie is just that you're having such a great time the first time you don't notice a lot of it then you watch it a second or third time like watching it with you i had no idea that in the background in uh the scene when sally hawkins is trying to piece together uh who could frame paddington and why he's in prison and there's a to-do list sign on the kitchen wall and it just has one nothing mm. else one thing and it says free paddington and i'm like it's 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 the little things the little things and it's beautiful it's so beautiful. One of my other favorite things is when he when Paddington is at Paddington Station and he's underneath the Lost and Found. Oh, yes, yes. The sign flickers. It's such a lovely, really lovely little detail. Oh, it's so good. In, in, that, scene, in that scene, you know. And Patrick Williams pointed this out in his video about Paddington, that when you first meet the Brown family, you get introduced to them. You understand who they are in the first thirty seconds that you meet them. You don't need you don't need any more information. It's so economical. It's just they get it. They you get it. It's out there. It, it's and it's not even that like they're overly simplistic. It's just you under you clearly they have very clear motivations, things that are in their personalities and all that. And it's just I love storytelling. It's one of the things I like about like silent movies that when you look at a character, you look at see what they're doing, you instantly know what their motivations are. You know what they want. And Paddington, I mean, obviously there's a lot of dialogue in Paddington, but it made me think of yeah. some of those silent movies, especially with the gags that happen, like when he's win <laughs> when he's window washing or when he's at the the bar the barber shop. <laughs> and there's some beautiful, like really moving imagery in this too. Like in the second movie, he wants to get his Aunt Lucy a pop up book, and it's probably one of my favorite scenes in any movie. Is when oh, it's so, he, oh, it looks it's like so he's exploring London with his with his aunt aunt lucy but it looks like it's like a pop-up book and everything looks like a like a drawing and it's oh yes. my gosh it's so that, that good. moved me that moved me to tears that was beautiful like we were talking about with the character introductions it's the classic example of actions speak louder than words and in the world of film that means more than any other medium i think besides maybe comic books because it is a visual medium and sometimes all you need to do is show certain details and that's it you know, you you already know who these characters are. You already you already know where they're starting at, and then as the story goes on, we're gonna see where they will be. And it's it's details like that that are kind of missing a lot in movies. Again, I know constant thing. We're always talking about things that are missing in other movies, but it's kind of true. But again, it's just that this movie understands that so well. <laughs> we were talking about Ben Whishaw earlier as the voice of Paddington. Did you know? Speaking of famous British actors. The original actor was going to be Colin Firth. I did hear about this. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were talking about Ben Whishaw. And it would be interesting. Like, I feel like if I heard his voice in front of Paddington, I don't know if it would have worked as well. So I'm happy that Ben Whishaw's there. And I'm happy that he's the voice of Paddington. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And we're not saying Colin Firth is an immensely talented individual. 
And I always appreciate the meme that I always see where it's like, if you meet God in the pearly gates, what do you hope he says to you? He goes, I liked you in Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Ben Wishaw, it, like, you're right. Absolutely right. You nailed it. He is so crucial uh, to the importance. Because if Paddington, if, you're, if, you, if you don't believe your main, if your main CG character... You, you you don't have a movie. Your movie it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It I feel like a lot of movies like that rely too much on the big name actor human characters than they like. It's like the Smurfs. You know, I'm sure they rely. I I haven't seen them, so I can't say. But um, I'm sure I feel like that movie would rely a lot more on Neil Patrick Harris's human character and his story that just happens to have Smurfs in it somehow. You know what I mean? Right, absolutely. But one of the things you really pointed out to me with both of these Paddington movies is, I didn't think about it with the first one, but after watching the second one, you really like laid it out that, yeah, it's really like two two halves of one story. Especially when you watch both of them, it's hard to see it any other way, really. Because it does, cause the, it's like this one giant connective tissue, and the second one ends on such a beautiful note. I almost don't want there to be a third one. I know they're making a third one. Sadly, Paul King will not be back to do it, which kind of hurts my soul. But just these two movies are almost just like the perfect... It's almost like Superman and then Superman 2, in a way. Or at least whichever cut you want to talk about. But it's just... Again, it just feels like two halves of the same whole. Because like the, the whole narrative is you have Aunt Lucy and uh, Uncle uh, Pastuzo, who are wonderful and uh their whole dream is they want to go to london but then of course they have an encounter with a with a cub that they fall in love with and raise as their own and that's paddington and through unfortunate events uncle pastuzo passes away and aunt lucy ships paddington off to london to essentially live her dream because like she's always heard that london was the greatest place ever and then once paddington establishes himself he wants to to pay it forward to aunt lucy he wants to pay her back essentially really right that's what the whole plot of the second one is it's just trying to like give her something that is perfectly representing his heart but also her dream the i don't want to spoil the ending to paddington 2 but it's absolutely beautiful and i cry every single time (laughs) Every single time. I, there's not a moment. I, even thinking about it, I cry. If I start talking about it, I'm, I'm actually... No. No. One of the other things, too, with, with uh, the story of Paddington is uh, he's... Paddington is an immigrant. The craziest thing I is... I mean, while I knew that, that was something you brought up to me literally hours ago today. <laughs> as far as, like, trying to find a connective bridge between this movie and our next movie we're talking about. It's true. And it blew my mind, because the whole time I kept thinking, these movies have nothing in common. They're just movies that make us feel good. And then you bring that up, and I'm like, uh, I think I literally slapped my uh, my face. <laughs> I was like, oh! Yeah, I mean, and it's important to, no- to note that, too, with with the character, because Paddington is such a kind creature, filled with like good intentions and trying to do the right thing but initially with some of the people in his life or in the household or in the neighborhood they don't trust him you know it, it's like like with with the dad character mr brown he's kind of like oh he's trying to like sell something or you know you know don't try to stay stay away he's from this, this bear we can't have him in our home or like the, the daughter's like I, I don't want anything to do with paddington until paddington becomes a local hero you know but then like that's our initial thought as humans that aren't polite like paddington whereas paddington his first thought is 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I found a glimmer of light in her. I want to see if I can get it brighter. And he does, because that's what Paddington does. And what, what's the famous line that he always says uh, that his Aunt Lucy if, taught him? If you are kind and polite, the world will be right. There you go. That describes, I think that's it. It describes the philosophy of Paddington. And you, you get to see, like, it, it is an immigrant story, uh, get, getting back to that, where, you know, he comes into this strange this strange world. He's never been to, he's only yeah. heard of stories of London from his Aunt Lucy and Uncle Pastuzzo. And, you know, he there's a lot of people who are like, oh my goodness, what what is this bear doing here? And then, in the second movie, he's like a valued member of the community, you know, and very, very vital to the point where when, when he's in prison, things are falling falling apart. Like, the dude gets locked out of his own house, <laughs> the lady doesn't get her breakfast, you know? It's just, you just show just how important of a figure he became in, in, in the society, in his, in his one neighborhood, and then just how much they cared about him, too. It's not like a give, it's not like just a a, a give and take it's literally community and camaraderie and friendship and family in one neighborhood because of this beacon of hope the the superman shield if you will that is paddington the band and his hat and is red his jacket his jacket is blue and blue. he always has his emergency marmalade sandwich underneath his hat joey this will be a first for two dudes one double feature i have a marmalade sandwich in my hand and i'm about to take a bite right now <laughs> this is the second time i've ever had one sorry you can hear me chewing <laughs> i'm keeping this in the edit just to let you know you know what and folks you're listening to the lovely sounds of you richard know. eating a marmalade sandwich <laughs> yum yum time for some din din <laughs> I will tell you right now. This this is a this is actually a pretty good sandwich. I took another bite. I'm done now. Oh man! So, Paddington, Paddington Bear. Would you recommend Paddington Bear to a modern audience? Paddington and Paddington Two to a modern audience. They're modern movies, but I asked the question. That is anyway. a resounding yes. I I. I remember the moment I uh, first watched the the two movies. I posted on social media. I was literally like, "Can I just can I get, can I just take a second to tell you guys how amazing Paddington is?" It was a whole like two page almost. <laughs> it feels like I yes. Please, if you have a second and your days are dark and gloomy, please watch Paddington. It's totally worth it. Trust me. I'm having another bite of marmalade. When we... <laughs> Yum. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick intermission. Maybe go out to the store, get some marmalade, or make some at home. But in the meantime, we're going to go on our intermission, and we're going to talk about another immigrant story as our next film selection. Stay tuned. And we're back! Welcome. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Um, and if you're curious, yes, I am still enjoying my mama like <laughs> I'm glad Paddington is making you so happy right now. I haven't, I haven't seen you 
I, we, we're in constant correspondence. I haven't seen you this happy the whole pandemic. Nope, you have not. If I'm being uh, <laughs> real a second, just for a millisecond. <laughs> oh, is this a reference to something? It, it is a reference. Uh, it is a reference. This is a reference to the recent addition onto Disney+. Plus, The acclaimed stage production, world-renowned, winner of the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, winner of a bunch of Tony Awards, so many accolades... This is Hamilton. Oh, yeah. That was just a great introduction. I didn't have anything to add. So I was like, yeah! Oh, that, oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Hamilton. As we said, we do like musicals. And we do. And as somebody who kind of lives near the city, I get to see more than maybe most people. But I don't, I don't go out and see everything that gets nominated for a Tony. Right. I go see things that I want to see, that my mom wants to see. You know, so sometimes I'll end up going to the city like, you know, once, twice, sometimes three times a year to, to go see a show. I'm really grateful that I can do that. What was the last show you saw on Broadway? Well, uh, I went to see, I took my girlfriend to see Phantom in um, in November. You know, we were in the upper, the upper, me- the rear mezzanine. But we could still see the stage just fine. That's good. You just couldn't really see the actors' faces. But with a show like Phantom, it's a lot. A lot of it is like the spectacle and the music and deal. But before then, we we'd seen seen some other stuff. We had seen. Uh, we did a almost a, a, like a double feature. We saw two plays. We saw Anastasia and King Kong. Oh boy! But <laughs> but Hamilton. Hamilton was a show I had never seen it until Disney Plus posted it um, on July. I, I didn't watch it until July fourth. I saved it for, you know, Independence Day. And Important. with Hamilton, my only exposure were like a few things. One, people would show the clip of King George III, you know, sing, singing his famous song, which is a great song. Catchy. But that was one of my only exposures. But also, um, when I worked on the beach, my boss would have a, a Hamilton book. And I think he had the book that the show is based on. It's a historical book, and then the, 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 the musical is based off of specifically, yeah. I guess... Um, that book and 2015 this the show opened on Broadway in 2015 like rave reviews won so many Tonys including best musical and as I said the the Pulitzer Prize for drama it was Mm -hmm. the craze I mean everybody except for us everybody (laughs) was listening to Hamilton it was it was the zeitgeist as far as that sector of um of of theater it won the i uh, i didn't mention this it won the grammy for the, the like a the, like a theater album which is pretty mm-hmm. cool which means that a, a couple of the people from hamilton are halfway to uh to egot you know with emmy grammy oscar t- tony you know they just gotta get <laughs> a couple other a couple other words i think uh lin-manuel miranda only needs one more but hamilton um in case you have been living under a rock the last two weeks hamilton is the I want to say reimagined, uh, restaged, re re rejiggered story of founding father. <laughs> rejiggered story. Rejiggered story. New turn <laughs> of founding father Alexander Hamilton, and this is done through as a musical, but also but it's you have, you have rap and so many other elements and components, hip hop into this um, into this piece of art. And there, that's the thing with this show. There's there's so much. He's the he's the ten dollar founding father. Yes, as the musical says, the ten dollar founding father. And you know, before before this musical, the most notable thing about Alexander Hamilton was a few things. 
yeah, we knew about like his contributions to the U.S. financial system, and we knew he was on the ten dollar, uh-huh. and we knew he got shot in a duel. Those were the three things. Three things. That's it. I knew about the two, but I didn't pay attention in government class as much as I should have for history. They were thinking about removing Hamilton, I think, off of the ten dollar bill, and then the the popularity of the musical prevented that from happening. So that just shows right. you, like the impact of this show. On, on just this this one single historical character who is a big was a big deal before, but in comparison to other founding fathers, like we have a whole mini series on John Adams. There's such a reverence for for some of the other founding fathers, even with their um, controversies, which we'll talk about. In a listen, second. like George Washington, listen. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> we have a whole movie where Abraham Lincoln kills vampires. Same. This is true. One of the big things that I really liked about Hamilton, and this was a double feature that I saw, like, there was a double feature suggestion someone posted, not on our page or anything, but on uh, on the feed that I was seeing. A really good double feature for it would have been this and Amadeus, because the titular character, you know, the titular character isn't always the main, the main focus. I mean, Hamilton's, I would say, more the main focus of this story than Mozart is in Amadeus, mm-hmm. but, like, Salieri in Amadeus is kind of like the character of Aaron Burr in Hamilton. And oh my goodness, um, what was it? Leslie, Leslie Odom Jr.? Leslie Odom Jr. So good in this. And I really like his, his performance because he is, he's got, he's got this, this wide grin and he's almost like that kid in school who's trying to get, get with, with the crowd, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't want to say anything too controversial. And that, that's something they make fun of him throughout the whole show. I've known kids like that. And whereas Hamilton, he just, he just doesn't care. He's just, he's just going for it. He's, you know, because Hamilton's character, as we said with Paddington, this is an immigrant story. And mm. it's very, very much the like an immigrant story. Hamilton coming to New York City and using the American Revolution and his brain to sort of propel him forward in in society, becoming Washington's, as they say in the song, right-hand man. His right-hand man. And sort of social climbing throughout. And be, ultimately, you know, it's, at one point he becomes the Secretary of the Treasury under uh, George Washington. And then mm-hmm. talks about all the other things that are with this. So, Hamilton, I, I'm going to address this now because it is an elephant in the room, as I was talking about. The historical aspect. Yes. I do not believe that seeing a Broadway show is a replacement for history. It's not. Nope. And Lin-Manuel Miranda would agree with me on that because there's been a lot of controversy coming up in this movie, not only re- recently, but also when this first opened because, yes, it's so wonderful that we have people of color, you know, playing the Founding Fathers in, in such a successful show. This is a very successful show involving mostly people of color. Right. But it's also about the Founding Fathers, and in a way, it kind of glorifies them. Like, Washington... I love Washington in Hamilton. I wish he was more like, I wish the real Washington was like that, but he's not. No. <laughs> he's not, sadly. He's not. And Thomas Jefferson, you can look it up. He's done some really shady things. Also, the Sky, the Schuyler family, I believe they owned slaves. They were a slave-owning family. And while Hamilton might not have owned slaves himself, apparently he helped his in-laws acquire slaves. And... <laughs> And slavery is addressed somewhat in the show sometimes, almost more as like a, like a diss, like in like the cabinet meetings, which are like done as like epic rap battles or whatever. But it, it's, it's almost like a side note. But the funny the thing with it is that is mm. because of Lin-Manuel Miranda, the focus is about immigration and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's just, 
interesting no. to I guess I was watching um yeah Breakfast All Days video on it. They were talking about how it's kind of interesting that this big Broadway hit from only a few years ago, it's like, oh wow, it's already kind of already kind of dated in in one of the one of the big aspects. <laughs> That's a huge aspect to be fair. You know. It is. Huge huge aspect. It totally I'm is. sorry that I'm running, you know, with, with with a historical thing. It just needs to be talked about before. Listen, I'm just letting you talk. I, I don't know. I, I, I've only seen this musical twice, and one of them was with you. <laughs> so, like, I've, I have my thing with Paddington, and I, I, I've, as far as my knowledge of the musical is, again, just seeing, like, little things here and there, hearing about things, here, like, obviously seeing people parody Lin-Manuel on Saturday Night Live or something, seeing Lin himself talk about it, but I, have, I didn't hear a song, I didn't mm-hmm. see anything of like any of the songs i just knew that it was the the greatest musical of our times or at least that's what i was constantly told and going in to watch it you know it was just more out of curiosity than excitement i was more like okay you know I, here's an opportunity to check this mo- very beloved musical out that i hadn't and seen not before. drop hundreds of dollars seeing it no that was so nice thank you <laughs> That was so nice. It was definitely like you, as far as like historical aspect or the story of Alexander Hamilton, like that's all fine and, and interesting the way that it's told. But what I loved personally from watching it was just the precision, the choreography, just everything almost down to a T, and like the like the songs and everything. Can I just? It's, it's insane. Interject it's meticulous. One thing. Yes, you can. You know, the choreographer of Hamilton also did the choreography for Cats, the movie. <sighs> Don't ruin this for me, Joey. But talk about talk about the, the, the <laughs> keep going with the precision and the and the and all that stuff. Again, like Paddington, so much care and detail put into the way that they wanted to make this musical the way that it is. It wasn't like we're talking about his, historical accuracy or whatnot. While obviously the story should be somewhat faithful in some capacity, it was more about telling the story they needed to tell the way they needed to tell it, how they were going to tell it. And like I, I think you said that one of the advertisements was a story of of then from people from now or something. What was what was the? This is like it's a lot in a lot of like the description for the show. The story of America then, as told by America of now. Okay, and I totally got that. Like I was like that because I'm trying to think like in the back of my brain. I'm like, what? Who? How did the thought process of this go into it? Like, where did Lin Manuel Miranda just go? Like, I love hip-hop, I want to apply that to uh, Alexander Hamilton, but then you hear that tagline, it's like, okay, that that makes perfect sense. Right. That, I totally get that. And one of the, I think one of the influences, or at least I think, I would have to think one of the influences was um, the musical 1776, which I also re-watched um, a couple days ago with Mr. F- Mr. F- Mr. Feeney himself. <laughs> William Daniels, Mr. Feeney, who, we love you. You know, and it's also interesting to note that John Adams is not present in in Hamilton, <laughs> and uh, Hamilton has some choice words for Mr. John Adams. My goodness, I still love the little reference that they do in the musical of John Adams. Just King George is like that guy; <laughs> he's that tall. Yeah, no, that was that, and that's one of my other favorite details too. Is is the way the the different we were talking about this while we were watching the different musical styles that are presented in in Hamilton, you know, like when you look watch King George's scenes, 
They are staged very differently. They are presented very differently. The music is written very differently. The lyrics are very different from the rest of the show. And that's definitely, definitely with a purpose. There's nothing I can find in the musical that wasn't put there meticulously. There's nothing ar- or, or arbitrarily. Not meti- everything's meticulous. Arbitrary. <laughs> There's it. Just it doesn't seem like anything doesn't have a purpose in the musical. Even just the dancers in the background have some meaning or some yes purpose. The death character, I guess you could call her, who shows up periodically, especially like the foreshadowing moment when. Hamilton's sitting there reading a book or writing in a book, and uh, she just is the guiding bullet that goes right past his head, which signals a little something that happens later. That I already um, spoiled, because Hamilton was a real person. But, anyway. You did? Oh, no! <laughs> or at least I thought I, 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 thought I did. I said, I said a duel, but anyway. La, the guy who played Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, because there's some characters in the show. David, not even what's his name? David, David, David Diggs. Yeah, and some characters in the show, not even just ensemble, but like main characters, will play dual roles. So, for example, there's an, um, Anthony Ramos plays um, both John Lawrence, who is like uh, Hamilton's buddy who wanted to you know liberate the slaves and start like an all black battalion, and then he in the second act he plays. Uh, Hamilton's son Philip, and he's so good. David Diggs is so good. By the way, like oh, my, when he's tomorrow, there will be more of us. That just breaks my heart every time I, I see that. Yeah, with Marquis de Lafayette, you know he's of course major major uh, French player, and in the second act, who does David Diggs play? He plays Thomas Jefferson, who hung out in France for a good chunk of the Revolutionary War, and mm-hmm. it's it, the characters feel so feel. Um, feels so different because Hamilton gets along really well with uh, Lafayette and then the second half Thomas <laughs> Jefferson other than Burr is his is his antagonist in that's in that second half oh 100% because he wants to get rid of the final and he has a great purple suit oh his purple suit and <laughs> I love his purple suit dude and it made me think of like a Las Vegas number the way he was like dancing with his cane sometimes you know what oh in my that, god it did that number in uh in the second act uh what did i miss that's a great number what did i miss and then the actor um what did i miss? I forget his name the actor who plays uh hercules mulligan and james madison has some like st- scene stealing moments he is just a force on stage but then in the second half he's james madison who's much more quiet and reserved and thomas jefferson's going on it's, it's a nice contrast <laughs> one of my favorite like, <laughs> all, like it's such it's so good right one of my favorite lines is when they're in the rap battle in the cabinet meeting, and, and they were talking about like trying to help France or something. And who gave us half a chance? And then James Madison just goes, "France," <laughs> <laughs> which is a nice callback to the to the moment that I know your brother loves so much. Well, that that is the, uh, that is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, I thought there was okay. Never oh, mind. You're thinking there's two I moments. Think, I think where you're they thinking France. of another like Fra- France, where it's just like, "Where have you been, uh, France?" Yes. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, his favorite moment is, is okay. Is I the, got confused. It's okay. Um, but also, in addition to all these, all these very talented men, we also have very talented um, ladies. <laughs> Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy. Listen. Okay. Let me just say something about Peggy here. Yeah. When we were watching this, my first thought was Peggy of the Skylar Sisters is the Barb of Hamilton. <laughs> Okay, if you know what I'm talking about, Stranger Things, 
Justice for Barb, you know what I'm talking about. Oh. Angelica and Eliza, as much as I love both of them, Philippa Sue still breaks my heart at the end of, of the show because she's so freaking good in that show. Yes, she is. But Peggy, where's the love? She just, like, it's it's even, like, intentionally, like, going, you know, you see, Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy, I'm here! Or even in the Hamilton polka, like, when, when, they, when they get to that part, and he goes, and Peggy, there's, like, a noise. <laughs> like, no! <laughs> Justice for Peggy! And it's also funny, too, because uh, the actress who plays Peggy is also one of those people who has, like, the dual roles. So in the second half, she plays she does. Mar- uh, Mariah Reynolds, who has the affair with with Hamilton but uh, going back to that like um oh my god there's so many great great songs um give me your three favorite Hamilton songs you know Jonathan Groff Kristoff or as I like to think of him as the dude from Mindhunter which I still need to finish season two Mm. uh great show by the way I just know that what was I saying uh I, I just like the the whole tone of that one it's so different I do love the room where it happens I know we talk about that one a lot because I want to be in the room that's my where favorite it happens. Song. <laughs> it's, it's, that's a good one. And then uh, the one song, it's got like the rewind. Satisfied. Satisfied. That's one of my favorites. That one. It's yeah, just, and it's also that's a great one. just because uh, Renee Elise Goldsbury, she's so fast. She's so fast, so precise. She's just so like, good. like just words just being riddled out before it's, she's so, she's so good. So good. And one of the things to note, with this production is that it was recorded in June of 2016. I think you were saying to me it was recorded on three separate yeah three separate days. So they recorded from what I've what I've seen they recorded um, a live performance and you see that. But then um, for the close up shots and then for some of the some of the, like the the mid shots that they do they filmed the whole thing in the span of three days. So like there's even moments like little little things that you notice like uh when Angelica is singing uh satisfied um she has a flower on her dress in some shots but then it goes mm-hmm. back and it's gone which again is just because it was multiple days so it's not like they're immediately going to remember keep the keep the flower there cuz they're recording but Especially because some of them, they didn't even have a live audience. They were just trying to do the pro shot version. And it was also cool with that is, this was after they swept the Tonys, and this was coming up towards the end of their run of the original cast anyway. Mm-hmm. So they were already like in the groove of, of doing it. Because they were, had been performing, I think, like some of the peop- some of the players in Hamilton had been, had been doing it um, on Off-Broadway as well. Yeah. And they had, had it at the public, as they referenced in um, Knives Out. Even even um, Jonathan Groff, who again going back to him, who plays King George, at that point when they were recording was already done, like he was already out of the show, and I think the the actor that was playing him was someone named Rory O'Malley, who oh. actually gets a credit in the thank yous, but because they were doing the pro shot and they wanted to get all the original actors, um, Rory said, "Get them, bring them in, seriously," and so they brought him back, and so he came back to do the pro shot version. So like. I know that's that was pretty cool. That is really neat, um, neat to know. And let's, I wanted to get to like some of the some of the thematic stuff. So obviously, we talked about like the immigration themes yeah. that are present in this movie, and this is very much present with both the characters of Washington and um, Eliza. This this idea of who tells your story, you know, uh, legacy. History has its eye. Legacy. History has its eyes on you, and those are some of the like most powerful things throughout the show 
you know, and that that's like mm-hmm. it's like a meta narrative, you know, talking about kind of, kind of talking about like how we remember how we remember these um, these larger than life figures, you know. But even with like with some of them have like their faults, like Washington, you know, when you're a little kid. I don't ever remember learning as a little kid that Washington lost a lot of his battles. All we ever knew is that, according to history, as a kid, that he had wooden teeth and chopped down a cherry tree and was the first president, and that's it. And half of that's not even real. <laughs> it might even be like more than half, but it's one of those shows where like it, it makes the it's kind of like 1776 in that it makes the founding fathers seem more relatable mm-hmm. and not as giant icons, but at the same time, it's kind of making them like giant icons, especially with George Washington in this show, because he's generally in the show. He's a good dude. You know, he's trying to hold his army together. Yep. You know, he's so noble. He's the, he's stepping down de- like one last time. That's a great um, number as well. When he leaves, when Washington leaves that's, office. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good one. Christopher Jackson kills that one. Yeah. And also if you recognize his voice, he was actually the singing voice of Moana's dad in Moana, which of course Ooh. music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And those legacy, like the legacy and who tells your story, but also time because it's a ticking time bomb because if you know history, you know Hamilton's going to die. And even if you don't know, Aaron Burr says at the beginning of the show, me, I'm I am the damn fool who shot him. I am the damn fool that shot him. I'm the damn fool that shot him. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> it, it tells you right there, there's a ticking time bomb. He's going to, you know that a, a Alexander Hamilton's going to die at some, you know, at, by the end of the show. It almost feels like he knows it too because, like, the songs always say... You know, he's writing like he's running out of time. Yes. He's trying to seize his opportunities yeah. that, he, that he has. One of my favorite scenes in the whole show is the end of Act 1, where he finds out that he's going to become the Secretary of the tre- of Treasury. Uh, Eliza's trying to convince him to stay home, and he's like, no, look how lucky we are to be alive. I get to be in the development of this great nation. You know, I get to help be one of the founding fathers and build this stuff. Aren't you ever going to be happy? And then Angelica points out, he will never be satisfied. I'm I'm not singing. I'm going to sing it. But it's all this, all the different themes come colliding and they're trying to get him to stay. And he's like, I am not going to throw away my shot. And it's, oh, it's such a great, it's, it's all that, the whole scene. It's very intense. Man, man, that that is, that is uh, (laughs) incredible. (laughs) I was sweat, but it was Hamilton. I also really want to talk about pro shot musicals. Now, people are familiar with like musicals getting movie adaptations, like feature film, like Cats, like like Cats, Bill Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera, or the Tim Burton Sweeney Todd. That's a good one. And I mean, there's there's a lot of other examples, but like Hamilton, you know, because remember, one of the big things preventing people from seeing Hamilton was that it's so expensive. Yeah. You know, one of the running jokes that John Oliver said on his show was, uh, early on, was that Lin-Manuel Miranda couldn't even get tickets <laughs> to see Hamilton. Yeah. You know? It's price, it's location. Like, for me, I live an hour away from a city that has its own theater district, so right. they could come and, and have some version of the show, but this doesn't mean I, I, I get to see, like, the original cast or anything. You know, it doesn't mean I get to see, like, it from, like, the start, and it's super expensive. Yeah. Like, it's just, again, most most of it is that you have to have gone to New York, spent hundreds of dollars, and it's... No! <laughs> I am poor! 
It's not happening. I think that's part of the hesitation with some people as far as like liking the theater and stuff because it is just so darn expensive. Even when you get like a tour of a show that comes to a city near you, you have to travel. Mm -hmm. You might have to think about the traveling expenses or have to drive a long time and you got to pay the tickets because certainly, listen, I've spent spent a lot of money on theater tickets and it's it's certainly not (laughs) cheap. What I like about this is Disney spent $75 million acquiring the rights, the streaming rights. Well, well, back then it wasn't even going to be the streaming rights because this was supposed to be in theaters. Yeah. Supposed to be in movie theaters next year. But because of uh, the whole pandemic, they moved it to streaming on July 3rd, right before, you know, on that July 4th weekend. To me, it's like the best move Disney Plus has made since saying that they were going to do The Mandalorian. I can't think of anything else that has drummed up the same level of excitement on Disney Plus. Downloads for the app went up like 72% I was reading. Right. Oh my. Which is nuts. And then on top of that, once people saw it, now it kind of created this this desire to have more pro shot musicals. Like, I remember Josh Gad getting bombarded about, like, if there was a pro shot version when he did the Book of Mormon, which I, mm-hmm. I I so want that to be true. And he said that they did. They did a pro shot. It's just obviously a matter of, obviously, who's going to talk to Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Put it out, please. And then, of course, a more recent musical that I thought would be really cool to see was Beetlejuice, which was a big hit mm-hmm. and got uh, nominated for a bunch of Tonys. They did not, unfortunately, do a pro shot of that. But right. um, Alex Brightman, who plays Beetlejuice in the show, it definitely wants to do it once things calm down. So if that desire stays, if they if they feed the flame a little bit, then maybe we'll actually get to see some more uh, Broadway shows. I'm just, let's, let's make it happen. I'm just saying. I think that'd be great because I think it would actually get more people to be interested in theater. Mm-hmm. Have, like, the stage version that people can spend a lot of money on, but then eventually you have a version that people can... Think about it like this. I can watch Hamilton right... I got to watch Hamilton right now for $6.99 in the comfort of my own home in HD with the original cast. I don't have to show... No pants! No pants required. I can just sit down on my couch. I don't have to pay overpriced soda prices at a a theater or get, like, you know, overpriced candy. Or, Or having to worry about eating candy and unwrapping it at the right time before the show actually starts. Yeah. And you know what? For me, I know people will say, oh, well, you know, it's going to drive down demand to see the show. And I'm like, honestly, I think more than anything, I really want to see this show live once it's safe to do things. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm still eating my marmalade sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) You can eat a marmalade sandwich while you watch Hamilton. It'll be be a great snack for for this particular uh, double feature. I could just have I, I I could put it in my hat, and when I need it, pull it out of my hat, put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, I com- oh, I completely oh, I completely agree though. Just it's it's just so nice to have that experience. Like again, I would love to see, you know, because I've actually never been to a Broadway show. Fun fact, or a show like a musical. I've been to like a show. Well, no, I think I've been to a musical. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But fun fact, I was actually, excuse me, I was actually going to go watch an adaptation of Sweeney Todd when they had it playing uh, in the theater district uh, near me. My sister got me tickets. We were going to go do it. It was so exciting. Unfortunately, my very first day of one of my, uh, like the last job that I had uh, coincided with it. So unfortunately, I didn't get to go. 
Oh, that's a bummer. And that would have been a good one to see because I do like Sweeney Todd. Oh, man. Ugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It was a while ago. I know um, on, I think, Broadway HD, they have... Um, we're not sponsored by Broadway HD or Disney Plus, by the way. We could be. But Just saying. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, like... Give us a call. There's other, like, pro shot versions. Like, there's... Um, I saw a production of The King and I a couple years ago with Ken Watanabe, and that has a recorded version. Or Les Mis, they have, like, two concerts for, like, the 10th anniversary, I think, and then the um, the 25th anniversary. And then Phantom has one at the at the Royal Albert Hall that I have and I highly recommend to people who might not be able to get to see Phantom live for a while because it's got a great cast. And I think for the venue space that they had at Royal Albert Hall, they did a fantastic job adapting that stuff to that stage. But I do hope that this drives up, that Hamilton drives up interest in theater, especially for young people too. Yeah, I know because there's explicit content in Hamilton and they had to censor it a bit but i'm glad that it is being introduced on disney plus for if for nothing else other than like kids can actually see like a theater production and for some kids they can see people that look like them and they're like wow these are successful people that are that put together this incredible as they say on disney plus revolutionary show and it warms my heart to think about that to think about like yeah potential future theater kids who might be inspired to create something or might be inspired to go check out other shows. We could get the next Lynn manuel Miranda. We, we could. One of the other things uh, that I found incredible too is uh, people talk about the rap and art, you know, the rap aspects of the uh, hip hop and all that, mm-hmm. but I found it to be much more classical than I was expecting with, with some, with some of the songs. It it's, was more traditional. It's a nice mixture. I think I would agree with you know that. I mean? like it's a nice, it's a nice mixture of hip hop and, uh, classical, but also uh, like a, some like beat poetry kind of thrown in there. Right. So Paddington and Hamilton, ori- our original thesis for this was just <laughs> two things that made us happy. We felt that after a couple episodes, we just deserved to do have two movies that we thought had nothing <laughs> that had nothing to do. It just made us happy. It's just Paddington made you happy. Hamilton made me happy to the point where I bought the soundtrack and. Then today we said <laughs> I bought the Blu-rays for Paddington. <laughs> and then today I realized they're both they're both immigrant stories. They're both immigrant stories. They're both stories of of two young chaps with a with a desire to go to a, a greater land to and to make it better, to make it worth living there, and just just to do good. And then in Hamilton's case to have like a legacy. Yeah, I was gonna say their motivations are different, but. They're definitely there to, to make things better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Pretty simple. And and one of them eats marmalade like me. There um, there you go. Yum, yum. There you go. This definitely has to be one of my favorite <laughs> episodes that we've recorded. <laughs> Aren't you glad I suggested this? Uh, this was a lot of fun to, to do because you love Paddington so much and I ended up loving Paddington. I really love Hamilton and it was just a blast doing this stuff it is a great time for this episode and we hope you folks enjoy the paddington films and hamilton don't watch cats do not watch cats please don't. <laughs> do, do not do watch it. cats again we are, <laughs> please don't we are not sponsored by disney plus or uh broadway hd uh we just th- but we could be <laughs> <laughs> our social medias are give us a there. call oh my gosh <laughs> already already we need the money 
<laughs> just, just, just send it our way, please. We'd appreciate it. Oh, man. Anyway, I think that'll do it for this week's installment of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. See you folks next week. Have a good night, everyone. Listening to a brand new podcast, to a brand new podcast, to a brand new podcast. What? Thank you for liking all the music made. The Armstrong straight make the sweet marmalade. What? We're so sad this didn't last. But thanks for listening to a brand new podcast. What? What?